Tis a balmy 66 degrees here in February on the 20th. And uh, if that doesn't make me feel like I'm uh, avoiding yard work, I don't know what could. Well, not having a job makes me... Well, that would be something... For, okay, I'm not going to think about the stuff I'm not getting done. Instead, I'm going to talk about what's getting done, which is you getting to your player setting and making sure that it's on 1.5, 1.8, 2.3, something in a range beyond just one-on-one, 1 1.0. That's no good, especially in this next part. I spend a lot of time, if I had to guess, probably a half hour's worth of time, um, blathering on about a conundrum we all face, one that even that seven-year-old child that rides in your back seat has pondered, at least I would think at the age of seven it's crossed your mind. But it's just, it's an unanswerable question for me personally. And I won't kill my lead by telling you now that it's the conundrum of, um, hmm, perhaps the very first real unanswerable question in life. Well, that's a lot of uh, piling onto a very um, personal journey that I take in the land of uh, well, not milk and honey, but you'll see. And in that, uh, zone of reminder, speed me up, speed me up, speed me up. I'm pretty sure I do a lot of talking slowly and circuitous routing in this one. So if you're not going double time and haven't tried it, now is your time. This is the episode. This is the one. Get this one going. Well, good afternoon, universe. Um, bueno matina? Bueno, was that morning? Bueno, shit, man, I don't know. Um, but hello, universe. The uh, snap of the finger and the point of the gun with the fingers. All uh, courtesy of uh, my upbeated mode. Would it be my upbeated mode? No, it's my upbeat mood. Man. Once I hit record, I try not to even make these moments disappear this early into the misstepping of my own folly that I will inevitably succumb to anyhow. But in trying to front load a mistake, well, maybe that's just enough of a grab the face mask maneuver from the coach while I'm kind of not paying attention in practice to get my head back in the game. You know, if you're going to make mistakes out here, well, then make a real one, break your leg, and be done for the season. Pause. Un Unpause. Not like a coach ever told me to go break my leg. No, never. I'm not sure that many of them didn't think, you know, you keep playing this game, you're probably going to break your leg. Which is why I gave up football in the 10th grade and decided golf and tennis work. Fucking athletic enough for me. And maybe baseball my senior year because pff, it'll look good for the fucking college resume, right? Pause. Unpause. The thing I hate about baseball is fucking all the running that you do in practice and the uh, dumb uh, uh, disparity of position that divides people into uh, utility players of, mm, I don't know, somewhat... Um, why is baseball so boring to play and to watch? 
because it's boring. Plus, okay, work with me a little bit on this, but you're going to work with me a lot on the next one. Baseball is a lot, <clears throat> is a lot like fishing. Seriously. It's like a one-on-one duel, mano-a-mano, with a third dude throwing the equipment around. But really, it is the the mental game of the hitter and the pitcher in Congress with the catcher's instincts to help guide it to try to offset each other enough to succeed just enough to eke out another victory. It's a game of inches and annoying inches at that. And that is a lot like fishing. Where, frankly, not a lot goes on. It's a mono e what? E, uh, what is a fish? A pesce? I don't even know what that phylum of, of uh, science is. But man versus bass fish is about the same drama as pitcher versus hitter. At least if you watch Todd Helton fell off 16 foul balls in one at-bat. Pause. Unpause. Uh, I wonder what Todd Helton's record at-bat foul ball count was. It was high. Wade Boggs is another motherfucker that was great at this. And some of the great hitters in baseball, admittedly, do it by forcing the pitcher to give them the pitch they want. And they will foul off all the fucking junk you throw at them. They'll foul off even location pitches they don't like because they're that good at making contact that they can just bump those off and keep waiting for the pitch they want, which is some sort of waist-level fastball or in-cutting breaking ball that's just ripe to be ripped. Or even, you know, hit to the other side of the field. Wade Boggs, much like Todd Helton, were masters at just throwing a ball out into the opposite field for a single. In fact, we're so good at it that if that's all you wanted them to do in every at-bat, I bet they could have both somehow batted 500. I mean, really. These guys are so good at doing things that most human beings have no capacity or skill level to get to that ability realized. Even in baseball, great hitters are like like uh, uh, Tony Gwynn is another example in my lifetime. Uh, who's another one? Fuck, I'm going to leave a lot of people off this list because I don't even remotely follow baseball anymore. But since I didn't get on to talk about baseball, and baseball's boring, and this might as well be fishing fucking 101, right? Oh, we're past the five-minute mark, so I didn't... I wonder if I swore yet. All right, I'm trying not to swear because this stuff's going on Google. I just said stuff instead of it right there. Um, And so we'll see. I'm not adhering to that by any means because I expect to just get kicked off Google or Yahoo or YouTube, whatever. And frankly, that's a little overexposure for me. That was an intentional... uh, I put 125 episodes up recklessly all at once thinking I wanted to be on every platform when I first started doing this and I immediately uh, realized I wish I hadn't done the Google YouTube thing. So I quit at 125, but uh, now I'm putting up everything since then. So I might as well have always been up, whatever. I expect YouTube to shut me down and hello YouTube. If you're listening, 
you can see that I'm just playfully um, uh, what schizophrenically inclined in this world toward um, mystical wanderings of fantastic potential not being realized by all of us as a group. I think human beings are the greatest thing ever seen in this galaxy. I just don't know that this round of human being activity is at its max capacity. So bridge that gap and encourage the uh, unsteady. I tried to be for this channel I've created for thee. So can we agree? You leave me to be? I never bother thee? Sounds okie dokie to me. Well, I don't think Yahoo, Yahoo, YouTube, fuck, just because I both start with Y? Is that how old I'm getting? I'm just fucking confusing Y words? Oh, at least they were both tech. I didn't say Yoplay. Although, now that I've said Yoplay, yogurt sounds pretty fucking tasty. Oh, did I fuck? Oh, I swore. To, oh, it's not swearing things not going to work. I'm, I'm betting I swore in the first five minutes. In fact, hello, I would bet a lot of money that I swore in the first five minutes. Uh, how much money would I bet? I only have like a couple hundred bucks. Well, I'd bet, I'd bet 120 of it. Pause. I'm pause. And embarrassingly, we're seven and a half minutes into something. I only sign on to leave a little two and a half minute uh, diatribe about a conundrum that I've never been able to solve, though I have at times felt like I was committed to a specific um, hmm, conclusion here. Uh, at some point or another, uh, some variable has shaken that foundation. And this conundrum is legit, we all are suffering it, if I had to guess. Um, unless you're extremely uh, sheltered and geolocated in a, in a remote, removed area, which basically means you're an Amazon bush person, or um, you're an extraordinarily well-traveled person. I mean, like, maybe even to Antarctica, like... Whatever the world has offered, it has offered you the opportunity to go see it because you've seen it all. So you've tried it all, so you know it all. Therefore, you can actually come to a conclusion here. But for me, I have spent an entire life not being able to really tell you. Well, what's your favorite fruit? <sighs> oh, fuck. I, 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 I have many, I guess. I like them all, mostly. Uh, their their own character stands to be recognized independently. So picking a favorite, it's like picking a favorite kid, I would think. I never had kids, so probably picking a favorite fruit is not quite the same. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. What if you only have one kid? Then it's by default your favorite. Now we go back to the fruit thing, right? And if you have 18 kids... Well, I mean, honestly, how do you pick a favorite? What do you have? Like, well, I'm going to pick my favorite blonde. I'm going to pick my favorite uh, transgender, homosexual, and uh, and non-gender specific child. Well, actually, that's everybody else because all the blondes are straight now. How that all started to happen, I don't even know. But Lord be willing, number 19 will be blonde and gay like we hope. Pause. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. What the? 
what am I talking about? What am I doing? Oh my God, I don't want to tell the universe these crevices of my mind can be really exposing. But here's the thing about fruit, right? First of all, is tomato really a fruit? I'm going to call anything that you traditionally throw into salad a vegetable. And anything you traditionally crack open with your lunch as sort of dessert, a fruit. And so, for me, kiwi is like phenomenal, but fucking annoying. So, kiwi doesn't even really get consideration because it's too high maintenance to become favorite. It's just indulgent and, and you know, <laughs> kiwi is... The flavors, oh, the texture. I could, I could do dirty things to kiwis with, if this were a fruit planet and that was the kind of thing we did on this planet. But I don't even know if that planet exists. But I know kiwis exist on this planet, and in the manifestation that is a human being who gets to eat them, that's almost as good as getting to be in love with them. And you can even love a kiwi. I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying I could. I'm not saying any other word about kiwis what am i doing it's like four mistakes i've made and we're only 11 and a half minutes in well here's some fruits that are not candidates because well tell me if you don't disagree but strawberries they can't be your favorite fruit they just can't they're just too pedestrian of a cross thing right they've got texture unlike any other berry really um they are both sumptuous and um and um and lacking that true fruit burstiness like plums can give you or pears can give you or an apricot can give you or a grape can give you but strawberries i'm not saying when they're not perfectly ripe and perfectly picked and in perfect condition out of organic farm places that they don't have top five presents because man, can they do everything? They are useful. They're the corn of fruit, but corn's not my favorite vegetable either, but I do like corn and I fucking corn on the cob. Yum, yum, yum. However, I just don't think you can pick strawberries. Unlike, say, something like blueberries, which I think you can pick because they're a unique berry. They are a distinct berry. They are a lot of people's favorite berries in all kinds of applications. So if blueberry was your favorite fruit, I wouldn't have any kind of... Uh, like I would if strawberry was your favorite fruit. It'd be like telling me that... Uh, uh, let's pick, pick some of the other duds that cannot be your favorite fruit. They're not duds. There's no duds in Fruitland. I don't think. Maybe there are. But cantaloupe and honeydew melon and real melon, not the Walmart made-up melons, are some of my favorite fruits. In fact, a perfectly ripe cantaloupe might be my favorite fruit. But again, you know, fuck, man. What, are you going to give up pears or plums? Or God forbid, the one I'm here to argue for today? For maybe the first time ever? The orange, which I can see somebody saying, you're not going to let strawberries into the group, and yet now you want to argue for oranges? <laughs> okay. Well, so I take another succulent little nub of 
fleshy goodness from this perfectly ripe and balancedly sweet. It is an optimal orange, which is one, one of the reasons that it's potentially the, my favorite fruit. It lets me down the least. And even cantaloupe can let you down for an entire fucking season. You can go an entire summer and not see a good cantaloupe until the final three-week Rocky Ford cantaloupe run comes in where everything is perfectly right because it just got picked. So, oranges, you can tell when they suck. And usually you don't buy them. I've been fooled enough to throw a few out. But, and I've given up on cuties for the most part. But, if you just stick to traditional navel oranges, I'm telling you, at least shopping at Sprouts and King Supers in my four block radius, it is the most consistently uh, enjoyable fruit. Not necessarily the peak experience fruit of the year, but I'd say it is top three for these reasons. The flesh of an orange, much like the citrus of a grapefruit, or, uh, well, those two specifically, are very similar in, they actually have a fleshy consistency. This is, in my opinion, unique in, in food, where you have this, uh, this, <laughs> uh, squeeze it down and it bursts in your mouth and then you're left with this sort of mm, I mean what do you call that it's like having a small goldfish in your mouth and then bam mm, now it's just mm, oh, it's so perfect and then the texture of the actual interior of the orange mm, if it's just in that perfectly bursting right sort of <laughs> indulgency. I don't know. I've never had a strawberry that was that mouth satisfying. Um, hmm. And so, having now um, basically um, made love to that orange, I think doing it publicly was a mistake. Yeah, feels like it. So, I'm not going to go get the banana, that's for sure. Not because bananas can't compete with oranges. Well, they can't. Bananas are great because they work in so many other conditions where... Uh, it's like, you can put peanut butter on a banana. You can put bananas on ice cream. You can put bananas in your cereal, no problem, with about 90% of cereals. I mean, bananas have utility across... I mean, I... Bananas might be the hardest fruit for me to give up because I use them in so many ways. Like they're just, I probably eat five bananas a week when I don't eat a lot of bananas. And when I do, I eat 10 or 15 even. So the fruit that I eat the least of, which I wouldn't even argue is a top 15 fruit for me at all. None of them are apples. And I was in Connecticut when I was in college and the one thing to do in our remote location of rural Connecticut was to go apple picking in the orchards. And in the fall, okay, they had great cider. 
and it was fresh squeezed. I mean, that was an indulgence that apples offered. But the rest of it, even like caramel apples or bobbing for apples, I mean, apples are just... Hmm. Apples are like the hand-me-downs you get that don't fit that you have to grow into. You're like, ah, oh, it's just as good as it gets. And people are like, uh-uh, no, there's way better. Seriously. I know all, of you, all you've seen is apples, so naturally you're disappointed. But go down south. Go to Florida. Try citrus. I love it. Pause. Um, pause. Okay, now... I'm, uh, I'm not saying that I've tried every fruit in the world either, which is why I don't even have a definitive answer that I can stand by. I just have an answer according to uh, what I've eaten in America and been tempted by in some of my travels. But I didn't eat every fruit that came my way when I was in uh, Central America. I uh, should have been more adventurous with what I ate in Central America. I sometimes just uh, forget that part of what you get to do when you travel is to explore cuisines that you'll never see again, or at least food item options that you'll never see again, especially when it comes to things like delicacies from the sea. Being a Colorado kid, you know, eat fish. Um, all right, why am I... Okay, I wanted to finish the fruit dis discussion by, first of all, knocking off the, the exotics, like mangoes, uh, star fruit, uh, would I put papaya in here? Um, papaya and mango uh, are just fruits that I haven't had enough experience with to maybe find out that they are, in fact, the best fruit of all time. I could see, especially mango, filling that role. Papaya would surprise me. But mango, mango, I feel like I'm very... Uh, we've, we've walked past each other in the hall enough to say, whoa. I wonder what you had to offer. I wonder if uh, you would uh, just go uh, and be forgotten about in my fridge. Probably. That's probably what you would do. But So I'm not going to buy you yet. But if I get adventurous and I start actually eating fruit of a worldwide variety, then mangoes would be the first on my list to get familiar with. Um, and I, I've heard many men say that about mangoes. So I think it's kind of a thing that we have for that fruit. Um, or maybe men, men say things about fruit that might not be true. Um, which is why I'm going to try to be steadfastly honest about this next part because the exotics, I just don't have enough familiarity with to throw them into the number one slot. Although intriguing they are, but grapes, they're the M&Ms of, of the universe. And they are fantastic when they are perfect. And they are perfect enough that they get very heavy consideration. In fact, they're, they're potentially number two, but I actually think they're number three. And only because grapes can also, like cantaloupe, go away for an entire season and you just don't see a good fucking grape. I've gone summers trying every grape that comes in and going... When did the good ones show up? And I'll admit, uh, I haven't bought enough uh, seasonal stuff at smaller markets while it's seasonal. I've depended on grocery stores to provide summer fruit, but I mean, they should be able to give us grapes that are good. And they've come through the last two summers, I gotta admit. Summer before that, mm, oh, 
it's like maybe it was a post-COVID thing, but gee, my God, it's like eating. Well, I don't even know what you would eat. What would you eat? Like cotton balls? No, that'd be a little too, too, that's close though. It's close. And, and a grape in its perfect incarnation on the vine held above Caesar's head as he languishes below. Well, it is, it is one of nature's most exquisite packages. Really. I mean, if I were to design a fruit, I, I'd be hard-pressed to outdo the grape. The grape is classic and has centuries, millennia of staying power, and it makes wine. Ah, I mean, if you were going to pick a, a one fruit for an entire civilization, you would really have to give the grape a whole lot of consideration, right? In fact, that might be the just go-to answer. It's not the strawberry, that's for fucking sure. Not that strawberries are that bad, but they're just, you know, they're like apples. Pause. Um, pause. Okay, so that strawberry uh, and um, and apple plateau would probably be the bottom half, beginning of the bottom half of the fruit assemblage, where in the top half you've definitely got grapes. You've definitely got citrus oranges. And I would say that you definitely have bananas and you most definitely have blueberries, cherries, even with their pits. Oh, cherries didn't have pits. They might win. Um, the raspberry. I would say watermelon is in the bottom half for me. <clears throat> it's a social fruit. I would put cantaloupe and honeydew melon in the top half for certain. Uh, I would put lemons and limes in the bottom half. I would put the... Um, I would put kiwi uh, somewhere in outside the top 10. Well, probably in the top 10, but 9, 10. Uh, where would I have the... Hmm. What position does a peach belong? Peach is the hardest fruit to judge because a perfect peach is well let's just get the bad news out of the way vulnerable in fact if i buy a peach i should just eat the peach while i'm walking to wherever i'm going to take my groceries and unload them because it is i have too many peaches are just destroyed too easily in my life, to put them in the top 10. They're 11. And you know what? They are 11. That's exactly where they belong. Peaches should be a top 10 fruit. Pears are a top 10 fruit. And they're pretty vulnerable. But pears, pears just, pears aren't like peaches. And peaches bruise. I mean, of all the fruit wounds that you don't want to impart, you don't want to be throwing bruises on your fruit, you know. And apricots, apricots have, uh, they're they're uh, more structurally sound, as are all the other hybrids in there. But the peach is wonderful. The peach is terrific, and even with the pit, because a pit, you can throw it into the fucking bushes. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not the worst thing. It's not soul-killing. 
I mean, at the cherry level, it kind of is. But otherwise, it's not soul-killing. Because I wouldn't have plum in the number two spot if I thought it was soul-killing. And even if you eat an apple or a pear or anything, you're going to throw away a lot of the seedy innards. So, so what? A pit is a pit. But that's one of the reasons the orange is number one. Because the orange doesn't come with a pit. And the orange doesn't even really come with trash. What the orange comes with is a fucking wrapper. It is a goddamn encasement of that juicy, golden, splashy sweetness that is like, my hands are sticky. How many? Actually, quite a few. But that's another thing. Fruit makes you sticky. It's just, some vegetables don't do. Pause. Vegetables, they're like the, uh, they're the, the male side of the, of the vegetarian kingdom. Whereas fruit, it's definitely the feminine side. And I'm not being, uh, gender, uh, assigning of, uh, traits and qualities that I consider to be weak or strong, but I'm thinking more of the rigidity of vegetables and the, uh, the, uh, I would say the softness and the, uh, I don't know what else to think of femininity in its structure. It's curvy and it has, uh, natural, um, softness and roundness to it. Whereas masculine build has natural, uh, straightness and firmness to it all puns intended and not intended simultaneously. But if you're going to chop broccoli and you're going to chop tomatoes, it's tomato fruit. Fuck tomatoes. Tomatoes are stupid. If you're going to, no, they're not. No, they're not. Tomatoes are fine. If you're going to chop broccoli though, and you're going to chop yourself some grapes, you know, which one's going to leave you sticky. Hmm. <laughs> not chopping broccoli. Not chopping broccoli. All right, why are we talking about fruit? Oh, yeah, because the orange just elevated itself to my number one fruit, which means it took out the plum. I'll admit the plums are hard to come by anymore that are worth it. When they're worth it, they're so fucking great. Oh, my God, I eat like 15 of them. But the organic plums hit way more than the shit you can buy that's never even ravens. If you buy, if you buy fruit that you don't buy organic, you're missing out, by the way. If, if there's one place to upgrade your fucking life, it's in fruit. The fruit upgrade from the shit that they sell you for $1.99 a pound to organic fruit that may be 40 to 50% more in cost, but it's 100% different in actual experience. Just treat yourself to organic fruit and buy one bag less of chips or buy one bag less of cheese or buy one uh, bag less of um, tortillas. It is worth the upgrade. And figuring out how to make your own tortillas is kind of fun. Pause. So if I'm naming my top five, let's do ten fruit. They are in this order. The orange, and I'm assuming all of these are perfectly ripe, and plump and sumptuous as they can be. And that's another caveat with fruit is... Any fruit that's not ripe is not to be eaten. If somebody foists a 
yellow, or I'm sorry, an unripe banana on you, let it yellow. Let it yellow with a little bit of brown. Let it entirely become the fruit it's supposed to be. The fact that we pick fruit and store it in some sort of air filtration system that makes it manageable for a month is sick. That's why strawberries are worthless now. But when the organic local strawberries come to the fruit farmer's market, gobble them down because they are succulent. It's just what you buy in the store is hard to come by the same level of succulents. However, that's not necessarily true if you look for organic plums, pears. Um, what would I put in? Well, you got to put grapes fourth, bananas fifth, probably. Uh, do I want bananas that high? No, I don't because raspberries beat bananas, so do blueberries. So does pineapple. Fuck if pineapple wasn't so goddamn high maintenance with that stock. Okay. So those are definitely top seven cherries are top or cherries are definitely top 10. Um, so, so now the peach is 11th. So I need two more. The last two fruits I would put in here and, oh, cantaloupe and honeydew. Obviously, pause. Um, pause. All right. I actually went and listed out my top 10 or however many fruits I could think of. And I thought of a lot. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I've missed any. I'm sure I've missed some. But I got currants and uh, figs on the list and cactus, which I'm teasing you. But nonetheless, orange, number one. Cantaloupe, number two. Plum, number three. Those three fruits are the only three I've ever thought of as my favorite fruit. And they've cycled in and out of being number one. But right now it's orange. Grapes are on just the outside of that trio. Grapes are awesome, but they have stems and they're kind of, they have to be cared for. There's more to grapes than there is for orange. There's more to cantaloupe than there is for orange. And plum is a lot like uh, a pear. They're very sturdy if kept in some sort of organizational uh, containment. But grapes need their own special level of attention. Plus, they have stems. That's annoying. And, you know, some of them have pits. That's annoying. Er, seeds, I mean, not pits. Um, but the pit plum, well, that is its downside, or it could easily be number one. A grape plum might be my favorite fruit experience. But grapes are four, honeydew five. The pear comes in at six. And I would say that this cherries slot Cherries are either the next fruit or peach would be. But I'm putting peach at 11th because the peach is just too vulnerable. It's way more vulnerable than a pear, than plums, certainly than anything else in the top 10, except kiwi, which is why it's 10th. But nonetheless, uh, honeydew 5th, pear 6th, cherries 7th, uh, banana is 8th, I guess kiwi is 9th because marion berries are 10th. And I don't know if that's the actual name of the berry. It is what they call them in Portland or in Oregon. It's this big, black, juicy berry that is the equivalent of, of uh, two blackberries growing together. They were just fantastic. And it, that might even be a colloquial thing for what big blackberries that grow in Oregon are called. And because of that, because I was concerned that that could be the situation, I can't put blueberry in that spot. 
I almost can, but I can't. I can't put blackberry, strawberry, any of the other ones. So if Marionberry is in fact just a big old blackberry, well then I think the 10th spot has to go to lime because all of the stuff that's above is extremely sweet. But the lime is the one counterpoint citrus that gets used across all paradigms, desserts, main courses, entrees, uh, the appetizers. A lime is a useful thing. It's even in your drink. So by its sheer hmm, willingness to do the work necessary to stand out in every position the kitchen has to offer, the lime is 10th. And then you can put guava, pineapple, mango, watermelon, blackberries, uh, nectarines, strawberries, apricots, uh, apples, boysenberry. I don't know if boysenberry is a thing or it's a blackberry. I don't know. Apple. Oh, wait, did I put apple on there twice? Um, what's that? Oh, pomegranate, ugly, star, some burstero, fig. Uh, currants, cactus. That's all stuff I've never bought. I don't even know if it's all fruit. The Sun Burstero is my mimic of the food hybridization program that gives us things like almost cantaloupe, but they call it something else. That's just, it's such an abomination to fruit. I, for that reason alone, there should be a revolution. Because they cloned our cantaloupe into something called Starburstero. I don't even know what I was trying to go with that. Now. All right. These last four are what I consider to be mm, certainly the bottom of the barrel when it comes to choices for fruit. And yes, lemon's down here. Because lemon is either fake sweet, which I don't like, or it's tart to a point that I don't enjoy. I can get... Damn. I can get through a lime a lot easier than a lemon. The sour aspect to lemon, even lemonade, I'd rather have limeade. So I have to put lemon in the bottom four, but it's the top of the bottom four because the next one, well, I can't really stand cranberries. And even less than that is a coconut. And grapefruit, grapefruit's my least favorite fruit, which is too bad because that means citrus both leads and finishes the list but i probably forgot something that's even worse than grapefruit no there's nothing grapefruit's the one for me i never ever ever say thank you that looks good yes i'll have that grapefruit i've never done it grapefruit to me is the what do the vegetables have that okay in the vegetable land it's beets i do not enjoy beets I just find them repulsive. It's the same relationship I have with grapefruit. And not so much coconut. Cranberries, borderline. Lemon, it's just sour. But grapefruit, you're the worst. So my two to three minute little blurb about how oranges have escalated to the number one spot in my overall favorite fruit canon of my concern and my concern only turned into 30 minutes. I do love fruit. And where I do love things, I tend to indulge, even conversationally. But I am sorry. I mean, 
I don't even know if I can make it up to you. Should we just quit right now? Or should we move into something that's got meat on the bone? What do you want to do? Should we... Do you want to call it? Should we call it? All right, I'm going to pause. And if I come back and you're still here, we'll do this thing. Pause. Rayanudar. Unpause. You're here. Oh my gosh. It's so late. I'm shocked. I mean, I guess it's not late for you. You pretty much time warped into the, what, 2.13 a.m.? Mark of the 21st of February, which is where I time warped myself, but my time warp involves some exercise and, frankly, eating a banana now. Hope. Oh, I'm glad to have opened the recording with an orange. Obsessed about every fruit therein between banana and orange, only to finish with this perfectly ripe banana. I mean, my fruit swinging right now is. King of the Jungle. Pause. Unpause. Well. Hmm. Uh, that was weird. I just spit up like a baby. And now I'm going to delete this because no way am I telling the universe that. Pause. Unpause. Well, since it almost happened twice. Not twice more, but a second time. Uh, same reflex, just less uh, less shrapnel to utilize as uh, as an ejectable. I mean, I spit up like I need a bib, like a baby, like I burped up water. Admittedly, I just chugged an entire Gatorade bottle of water, but it's. <clears throat> I think the older you get, the more like an infant you get. Uh. It's back into diapers, right? I mean, that's one thing to look forward to. Poop in your pants. Pause. Return arrow. Um, <clears throat> I do not uh, have any more to say about pooping your pants in your elderly stage of life. Uh, no, actually, what I—the whole reason I'm glad you stuck around because I've been—I've been mulling through the. I guess moral obligations is as good a uh, foundational principle here as anything. Hang on, pause. <sighs> Unpause. All right, if I could just get somebody over here to put me in a onesie and maybe burp me so that, you know, I can fall asleep on mom's shoulder and hopefully not barf in her hair. Well, since that's not going to happen, let's get back to the obligations that we do feel toward each other. Um, and they begin at the very point of conception with those who birth you, your parents. <clears throat> and it's not that you come into the world already indebted to your parents, feeling an obligation to them as you start to gain your footing and realize what a clusterfuck you've signed up for. But even before you get to preschool, unless you're some sort of savant, um, you will recognize a, a desperate, clinging need to keep these two older people around because they feed you, they bathe you, they uh, bring you gifts 
every December, they do weird things that really you're starting to realize you don't want to do without. And <clears throat> so I don't know where the true attachment, uh, um, disattachment phases lie in childhood and infant rearing, but the uh, connection to mothers that newborns have from smells to skin texture to heartbeat rhythm to, uh, I mean, your symbiotic entities. And uh, as a newborn thrust into a an environment of chaos and, and retribution, well, <clears throat> the only true reductive, calming presence is mommy. And mommy does wonders to keep all babies <clears throat> calm and uh, in believing that good things are coming, even when they're not. I mean, babies are delusional, right? They're easy to fool. But we're not here to fool babies. We're not even here to use motherhood as an example of everything that's right with the human experience. What we're here to do is to ferret out our obligations individually as entities of the humankind. I don't know where clones fit into this, but the human among us, <clears throat> as we navigate our circumstances, well, to whom are we obliged behaviorally, uh, financially, uh, emotionally? I mean, at what level is your obligation um, measurable? At many. But are any of them uh, necessarily expected? Well, <clears throat> I mean, who's going to let their parents go homeless and, uh, and live in, in, uh, in sordid conditions if they have an option to... Uh, to provide some level of, uh, of elderly care. So there's that. Yeah, but do you owe your parents babysitting in their twilight years? Is that a deal that you sign up for as a kid to whom all the provisions of life that kept you afloat in your weakest years are thanks to these clumsy old people who insist on living in the gutter, even though you have a guest house that's warm and ready for them. <clears throat> okay. There's a certain amount of placed upon uh, indebtedness that I think our society bakes into its narratives. Well, let me see what I, if I can explain what I mean. The truth of the matter is, you don't owe your parents a fucking thing. Now, that's a harsh truth. But it's a truth. It's an absolute truth. You are in no obligation to ever speak to your parents again. And it doesn't matter how much provisioning they did for you in your weaker years. They owed you that. Just like if you bring offspring into this world, you will owe them the same. You will also owe them 
the lack of expectation that they will give you anything in return whatsoever. Because there is no obligation to those who didn't ask to come here that show up and realize, oh my fucking God, what the fuck is this? Why did you do this to me, you two? Bring me more applesauce, at least. I mean, yeah. And some of those, those, uh, those squeaky cups. I don't even know what babies drink. They drink milk still, maybe. But you, you procreate while you set up a whole lot of obligation for yourself. Not having done so, I can speak to the other side of that coin, which is if you choose not to procreate, let's say all your sex is protected. Well, that's not even remotely close to true. Um, No, uh, well, no, I got someone pregnant. Um, So let's just say that your life worked out to include uh, little versions of yourself and a partner. This arrangement was never one that was discussed with the entity the two of you created. That part of the deal was just assumed to be God's glory and all that, right? Yeah, that's fair. It is fair. And it's fair. It's just wrong. Because all of the drive to procreate that we as a species can't avoid, it is still absolutely 100% an arrangement built on zero return. Now, fortunately, because humans are decent and caring and generally thoughtful about each other's predicaments, you don't see a whole lot of family fracture and abandonment. It isn't the sort of arrangement that uh, that many humans find fulfilling. But they do exist. And if woe is thee, your circumstance regarding your parents was one of hostility or worse yet, um, some level of subjugation or even enslavement or reduction of the worst kinds, whatever terror and horror a misguided parental relationship can bring, well, those circumstances are clear as day that whatever child is involved has zero obligation to the situation at hand being less than fulfilling, at least from the child's point of view. And yet, Nothing changes if you drop that child into the most wonderful nuclear family arrangement 
conceivable. Nothing changes. So, <clears throat> if the obligation that it seems is built into the system to care for our aging parents isn't good for society, then we wouldn't do it. Like, it, it doesn't matter that you're not, that there is no, <clears throat> that there is no umbilical cord that stays attached to your parents until they finally die. And thus, you are obligated to, what, make their bed? It's, it's just a point of philosophical engagement. So, that's all we're doing here. Because if you're not obligated to your parents at all, in, in any direct A to B, um, the, the, uh, uh, why can I not think of the scales of justice? I just, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm old. I don't know if I'm not smoking enough weed. I mean, that could be it. So let's, let's at least try that. Let's hope that's the reason. And I'll be back in nanoseconds. <coughs> Whoops. <coughs> I have, I have not smoked much in February. That might be the fourth or fifth time I've gotten high this month. And I'll tell you what, I am fucking high, even though I'm smoking like the end of my shit. You don't get high a lot, and when you do get high, you get high. So, hopefully that was the cause of all the malaise that the 13 minutes preceding these 27, 8, 9 seconds are now, um, um, well, struggling through themselves. But struggle through the concept of obligation. I think we will always, at some level, feel the dissatisfaction of not being able to corral these energies. And there are times when obligation just is clear as a bell. You know exactly what you're obligated to do and you react as such. The, uh, let's see, was it a year and a month ago or two years and a month ago? No, it was a year and a month ago, I think. Yeah, no, it couldn't have been when I was starting the podcast. So a year and a month ago, um, January of 2023, I made three 911 calls. Actually, I made two and was on the scene of the third and uh, could easily have been the person to call 911, but somebody else grabbed the phone first. So, and I have never called 911 any other time in my life, nor have I even pulled my phone out in thinking it might be wise to consider dialing it. And all three circumstances were such that obviously I knew exactly what to do. And one of them specifically, I was in a public restroom where the stall next to me, two guys OD'd in real time while I was in the bathroom with them. And while their commotion for the 90 to 90 seconds to two minutes before they actually collapsed was concerning enough that it was like, fuck, man, I don't want to have to have this invade my day as it's threatening clearly to do. And then once it became a medical emergency, well, then it's a whole different game. And so 
That was the first one. Then uh, somebody collapsed at work in a seizure, foaming at the mouth uh, um, routine that was frightening enough that uh, I was 100% glad that our security team in the building at that time happened to be right on the scene and was medically trained to deal with it. So be told what to do guy and helper out guy. I became immediately to the person who took charge of the scene while somebody else raced to call 911. And then a week later, I'm literally walking across the street to get some fucking yogurt at Walmart. So I'm on my break. And as I leave the building, there is a bus stop that's always got potential for trouble right in the pathway that you're going to walk. So it's a question of how much do you want to engage the bus stop? Because going around, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Going directly through it can be the biggest mistake of your day. So you're always kind of gauging what kind of havoc is going on over there. And on this particular day, it looks like there is a guy uh, and trying to uh, maybe... Uh, it looks like a guy might try and be trying to make out with another guy. I can't tell what is going on. That these this one guy keeps pushing and and this guy into the corner and then wrapping him up. It, it's like they're wrestling almost. Well, no, it's not like they're wrestling. No, uh, the guy that keeps falling over is ODing. In fact, is I'm probably dead at this point. Dead by the time I get to him, which is thirty more seconds. And the guy that's like trying to fix the scene is his buddy. And as soon as I get there, basically takes off. And the other guy falls off the bench, collapses into the pavement, dead. Now, I don't really realize he's dead, though. I assume he's dead. Like, I've never even thought somebody was dead. I've never been to a funeral. I've been to one uh, memorial service, but I've never been, I've never seen a dead body, human body. Have I never seen a dead human? Huh? I mean, aside from like those, those museum exhibits where they cut all the people into like, uh, freeze dried mini slices. Those were dead humans, but no, I've never seen a dead human except this guy. And <clears throat> it's weird to think that as soon as I saw his face, I knew he was dead. And he was dead. He'd had a heart attack. Whatever was happening while I was assessing the situation was the result of him having had a heart attack and collapsing. And so could medical attention have saved his life? No. Unless the guy that was with him was willing to admit that they were ODing on drugs. And that was the kind of truth that this other man's life wasn't worth telling. So, in the obligation department, I don't know that there's true stain in the situations where your, your co-pilot and you create enough turbulence for each other that one of you potentially goes down in a wake of stupidity. I think 
living through that situation is almost as bad as dying in it, given the <clears throat> the shame and level of of self-loathing you have to you have to sunk to just to find yourself in those circumstances. Well, to then essentially um, passively um, <clears throat> witness the complete self-destruction of someone you know doing exactly what you're doing. They just did it a little unluckier than you did it that day. But that dose of reality is now yours to live with every second you can maintain a conscious state of mind that doesn't distract right to it. I don't know what kind of life's left. If you've watched your buddy OD in a bathroom stall with a needle hanging out of your arm. It seems like a... seems like the kind of <clears throat> wreckage that I don't know if I could persist with that level of reactionary memory to access at the worst of times. Okay, so obligation. In both of those circumstances, the person with the person who was truly in medical trouble fled the scene. And I remember when the guy in the bathroom fled the scene, I was worried that maybe this wasn't just... I, I it, it didn't hit me until he was trying to get away that maybe he had done something like murder, you know, like, and it definitely, it didn't hit me at all until I'm like, could this be a murder? As I'm watching this guy leave through the front double door. So I actually ran after him, which was completely against protocol and frankly was against my humanity. But it was as if someone had inserted the thought in my head, could this be a murder that I ran after him? thinking if he did murder him, I'm the last one that has a chance to stop him. I didn't, none of this is, is processing. It's after the fact when I'm realizing, why did I react like that? What was the thought that I, oh yeah, I was thinking maybe he was, you know what I mean? But you're just acting. The whole thing, you just act. You don't, there's nothing about it that that is planned. You are reacting and acting in ways that time does slow down, you're prioritizing things in, in the most magical mental frame of mind. I mean, there's a really cool variable that kicks in when there is tragedy about. And I don't know that that it, it probably doesn't extend much past two guys collapsing in a restroom. I wouldn't want to test my mental agility on the battlefield of Gaza. But if if you are if you are phased in enough to sense how, how many variables you're managing simultaneously, and then you get a thought that has not hit the scene yet, and the scene's now maybe 10, 20 minutes, somewhere in that range, uh, old. So you've done a whole lot of going through and back out and through and back out, and now, in reflection, have a moment of... So as I chase this guy out the door... And I catch him, I catch up to him. I never touched him, but I got his attention. I was like, hey, 
And he turned around and looked at me. And I immediately knew it wasn't murder. It clearly wasn't murder. I mean, the look of, of, um, of shame, of, of, <clears throat> of self-annihilation, the, the hollowness in his, in his gaze, as if he didn't even, he couldn't have registered the scene if he tried. You couldn't have gotten conversation out of him. He was in shock, clearly, but it, it, it was, it was such an immediate knowledge of you didn't murder him because there's no way his physical existence could be what it was. If that's anything but clumsy, accidental stupidity gone wrong, he is the epitome of it. And he is already suffering the sentence that this moment has created for the rest of his life. So I didn't even say another word to him. As soon as he turned around, I knew I was wrong, and I turned around and walked back in. And uh, when I explained that to the police, they were like, "Well, I mean, did you think to ask him if he was, if he should, if if he would stay on the property until we got here?" And I said, "Honestly, no. If anything, I'd have told him to run." I said that to the fucking cops. <laughs> oh, I'm such an asshole. Seriously, I'm such an asshole. But <clears throat> when um, when push comes to shove, what's our obligation to each other? What do we owe each other? And what's what's truly worth mentalizing here is while there may be no direct line of attachment that you can draw from moral obligation to your parents. I'm not certain that you're not coincidentally morally obligated to everybody else around you. Your parents might actually be the only two people here to whom you're not morally obligated to at least present and display your humanity. So having rambled on for 26 minutes and 26 seconds of time that I only intended to use six minutes of, well, let's leave the rest of this to discuss another time. But think about what it is that you feel you're, and, and this does not include your children. You're morally obligated. You're financially obligated. You're physically obligated. You are uh, culturally obligated. You are educationally obligated. There is every obligation possible when you bring a child into the world. They're all yours. Until your kid's 18. And then, well, no more of that. So, again, we've even defined when we can untie that knot of moral obligation that is crystal clear to all of us. If you give birth to a kid that is now your responsibility to maintain and manage until 18 years have passed. At which point we're like, yeah, well, fuck man. Yeah, we get it. You deserve a break. So there's where it comes. 18. And the exact opposite relationship until I'm 18, I'd like some more macaroni and cheese, please. 
But if all we have is pasta and ketchup, I understand, Mommy. I just want to be as loving and caring and... Mm, no, I don't. Nope, nope. In fact, Mom, as far as I'm concerned, we have no moral obligation between us. And when I leave at 18 and you never see me again, I just want you to know, well, that's how nature works. She can be a bit of a harsh mistress, if you hadn't noticed. And have you not been looking around? How much uh, moral obligation to each other have we been showing lately? Yeah, it's like everybody's everybody's parents around here. <sighs> what a terrible world that would be. That'd be the worst world ever. Everybody's everybody's parents. I don't know how it works out mathematically. I don't even know how it works out biologically. But you know how it works out culturally? Awful. Worst planet ever. Not this one, that one. 